Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. Tonight we're going to just begin our our um, series through Ephesians, and uh, I said I said last week to Jane or, or maybe Amy, I'm not sure, maybe both that uh, Ephesians the first 14 verses are all one sentence. I was a little bit off. It's actually three through 14 that are all one sentences sentence, and uh, the first two are the intro, the kind of uh, salutation that you find at the beginning of the letter. Um, what do you get out of a salutation? I mean, if I were to write you a letter and I, was, I just said, Dear Caleb, and then I began the body of the letter and I ended it, Sincerely, Jared. You probably wouldn't pay a whole lot of attention to just the greeting. In fact, in the ancient world, this was this was pretty normal to, that you'd write a uh, write a letter like this, and, and and Paul does it a little bit differently than what was normal in the ancient world. Um, in the Greek world, they would say the word "karin," which means "rejoice." That was the normal greeting that you would have at the letter of a letter, and in um, uh, in Hebrew. Um, Culture. You might you might even know today. Whenever uh, uh, Jewish people greet each other, each other, they say shalom, right? Uh, and and so you have you have both of those things that you might see in one of the letters of the day. But Paul does something different, something that's not what you would normally expect, unless you're familiar with Paul and the other New Testament writings. What Paul does is he takes this salutation and he embellishes it so that there's actually theological meaning even in the salutation. (coughs) Excuse me. And so we're not going to just buzz over the top of these. We're not going to just ignore the salutation. But we're going to, to take a look at what he has to say to us. Let's read together Ephesians 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the grace that we have in Jesus. We thank you for the peace that we have through his work on the cross that reconciled us to God. Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear from your word tonight. We love you. I pray that you would give me strength and grace to preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. There's not a whole lot here, but it is significant. Let's take it just a little bit at a time. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. 
He's telling us who he is, and he, when he tells us who he is, he brings up certain things that we need to know about him. First of all, he is an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, what do we know about the apostles? Well, we, we know there were 12 apostles, and uh, we know that Jesus had 12 disciples who followed him around during his ministry, and that one of those apostles denied him, right? Or not just denied him, but betrayed him. And that in the book of Acts, in the very beginning, in the very first chapter, what happened? They, they drew lots and they selected someone to replace Judas. And it wasn't Paul. <laughs> they selected Matthias. Probably, maybe you've never heard of Matthias unless you're familiar with reading your Bible. Now, if there's 12 apostles, then why does Paul call himself an apostle? Um, Paul was unique. He was different from the other 12 apostles. Um, We read of how he was made an apostle by Jesus in uh, Acts chapter 9. I think it is chapter 9. Whenever Paul, he was a persecutor of the, of the church. He, was, um, he, he wanted to destroy the church. He did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And he was on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians. And on the road to Damascus, Paul, this persecutor of the church, was met by Jesus himself. He heard a voice and he he was struck blind. And Jesus told Paul that he was going to make him, he was going to be his messenger to the Gentiles. That's how Paul became an apostle. He went from being someone who hated the gospel. He hated the ideas that that Jesus had. He he was a persecutor of Jesus Himself. And He was made an apostle by the will of God, it tells us here. In this first line, it says, Paul, an apostle of of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Paul didn't choose to be an apostle. In fact, he wanted to go exactly the opposite direction. But it's by the will of God that Paul became an apostle. You know, when we're saved, it's by the will of God. Each one of us, we may not have an experience like Paul did on the road to Damascus, but who saved us? Did we save us or did God save us? It's by God's very will that He saved us. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Uh, Paul may have had people in different churches. We read about him. He had opponents who, who thought he was, he was a poor speaker. Uh, people who, who thought that maybe that he wasn't as good as what they could be. 
super apostles. The, the, the Corinthian church thought, um, had uh, people who thought they were super apostles. But Paul, he doesn't find this basis of who he is in himself, in his own gifts, in his own talents, in his own goodness. He finds his call to be an apostle was by the will of God. God is the one who took him from being an enemy and brought him in and sent him out. What does it mean to be an apostle? The word apostle, it means one who is sent. And so Paul took this one who was go or God took this one <coughs> who was going to catch Christians and drag them back to prison. <coughs> he changed him on this road in a meeting and an encounter with Jesus. He turned him into an apostle and who sent him out to be the apostle to the Gentiles. The apostle who would take the gospel to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are who? Well, it's us. In the ancient world, people were basically, in the biblical worldview, people were basically divided into Jew and Gentile. And the chosen people were the Jewish people. And it was quite a controversy in the early church when Gentiles began to receive Jesus, when Gentiles began to be saved. The early church. They struggled over this in, in um, Acts chapter 15. They had what's called the Council of Jerusalem. They, they struggled with, do, new, do believers who become Christians who are, who are from Gentile backgrounds, do they, do they need to be circumcised? Do they need to follow the other Jewish customs? And Paul, he was the advocate for the Gentiles. He was the one who was the apostle to the Gentiles who went out and proclaimed the gospel of salvation by grace through faith alone in Jesus. Not saved by the works of the law. Not saved by circumcision, but a circumcision of the heart. That's Paul. Who is he writing to? He writes to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. He calls his readers saints. When we think of saints, oftentimes, particularly if we think of like a Roman Catholic context, we think of those really super holy people, right? Saint Augustine or Saint Francis of Assisi or all the... uh, the, the, But... (coughs) But we know when the Bible calls believers saints, it's talking about every believer. You don't have to be some special super Christian to be included here. Paul is writing to the saints who are in Ephesus. He tells us who we are. We're saints. What does it mean to be a saint? Holy ones. The, the word there that's translated saint, it means it, it's, it's holy ones. We are, when we trust in Christ, changed from people who were, as Paul will talk about later in the letter, dead in our trespasses and sins, 
and then alive together with Christ. We were sinners. We were sinful. And through the blood of Jesus, we are now called saints. We are now called holy. Now, you might ask, how in the world could I be called holy? Because each one of us, if we're really honest, we know our own sin. And probably, we don't really know our own sin because it's probably worse than we think it is. How in the world, if you know you're a sinner, can God call me a holy one? There's two meanings of the word holy. One is moral purity. And the other is set apart. And as God worked in the Old Testament, the Jewish people were His chosen people that were set apart to be a royal uh, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And as we, in the New Testament, we, we don't replace Israel in, in any way, but we are brought in to this holy people, this set-apart people. We are God's holy ones. We are set apart. We are different from the world. We are called out uh, from the world. We are snatched out of the fire. Out of the world. And He has set us apart and made us a new people for Himself. And... (coughs) Sorry for all the coughing. And... Later on, Paul tells us how we're to live in light of this reality. Right now, he's telling us we are saints. And then in chapter 4, he tells us, so live like it. So live like it. Something I should have already said about Ephesians. It's divided almost perfectly in half. The first three chapters tell us who we are and what Jesus did. And the last half is telling us because of what, who we are and what Jesus has done, this is how we live. So the first half of the book, as we go through up through chapter 3, we're going to be seeing what God says about us. Who we are. What Jesus has done. What, what He has made us into because of the Gospel. He has made us saints. And the next thing, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, the word there, it, it, it can mean faithful, but it's also the same word we have for believers. I want to take, I'm going to take this as believers, those who have believed in Jesus Christ. And the re, one reason I'm going to take it that way is we come down later on in the same chapter. In verse 13, it says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. There's a connection there between the two verses. In in this very salutation, in this very beginning of the letter, he's pointing already to the kinds of things we're going to see later on in the letter. If you are a believer... If you have trusted in Him, if you have placed your faith in Jesus alone for your salvation, you are a saint. You are a holy one. You don't get that by just being a good enough person, by being being able to pull yourself up by your moral bootstraps and become 
a really holy person. No, you become a saint. You become a holy one by believing in Jesus. And He snatches us from the world and makes us His very own. Verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. He doesn't use the same kind of words that you might find in a normal Greek or Hebrew letter. He begins with grace, or in the Greek it's charis. Now I said before, in a normal Greek letter they would say karin. They sound similar, charis and karin. They sound similar. Karin would mean to rejoice. But here, Paul, he changes that. The normal convention would be to say Rejoice. Instead, he says grace. Almost the same words. It might be somewhat familiar to a Greek reader, but at the same time, it's different. It's unique. Grace and peace. Peace would be the same same translation as shalom. What a what a Hebrew letter would have shalom, that kind of a greeting. But instead, he writes it in Greek because, of course, he's writing in Greek. Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What is grace? Grace is a gift. Our salvation is a gift. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't do anything. But it is totally by grace that we are saved. He says this later on in in chapter 2, whenever he says, By grace you have been saved by faith, and it is not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are saved by grace. God loved us so much that He sent His Son. He didn't have to. He didn't have to send His Son. But He loved us so much that He sent His own Son so that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's grace. It's all grace. And then, (coughs) he says, grace to you and peace. And peace. What is it that is taking place upon the cross, but God is reconciling sinners to Himself, and He is making peace by the blood of His cross. When Jesus died upon the cross, He satisfied the wrath of God. We were once God's enemies. We were once deserving of the full wrath of God being poured out on us. We deserved to go to hell and we deserved every single bit of God's wrath to be poured out upon us. But because of Jesus, because of the cross... We now, who were once His enemies, can have peace with God. We can have peace. We have been reconciled. We are no longer enemies. We are no longer strangers. But we can be called sons and daughters. We can be called His friends. We are reconciled. And Paul, he says this to the Ephesian believers. He says, grace and peace Grace to you and peace from God our Father. His wish for the Corinthian church, or for the Ephesian church, his wish for them was that they grow in the grace and in the peace of Jesus. 
they would not that not that they would get more of it. I mean, going from death to life. Not that they would get saved over and over again, but that they would know more about it. That they would experience more of it. That they would grow in in being able to be obedient to the implications of that grace and peace that God has brought us through Jesus Christ. Grace and peace come from here, it tells us, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he says, God our Father. Just as Jesus began the Lord's Prayer, our Father. We were once His enemies. We were once deserving of His wrath. But instead, because of the peace we have in Jesus, we can address God as our Father. We can be called children of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's not throw away the word the Lord here. Jesus is... The Christ, He is the Messiah. He is the one who God told Adam and Eve would come and crush the serpent's head. And Jesus is the Lord. He is the word Lord. It just means Master. He is our Master. But at the same time, the word that was often translated as they they brought the... Old Testament into the Greek language, the word that was translated for God's name, for Yahweh, was the same word we translate here, Lord. When we here come to this passage and we we see Jesus Christ our Lord, or or the Lord Jesus Christ, when we confess Jesus Christ is Lord, we confess that Jesus is the Lord Almighty. The Lord who created all things, heaven and earth. He is the Lord who was written about in the Old Testament. He is the Lord. So, from all that we've seen here in these first two verses, we see that salvation is by grace. We are saved by grace. We are made Saints and holy ones. We are done so by believing. When we believe in Jesus, when we trust in Him. And this is a work both of the Father and of the Son. Grace and peace be to you. Grace and peace be to you. I believe that most of us in here are believers. I do know, especially the children that need to hear this, and I don't know how much they hear. Grace is how we're saved through faith in Jesus. As believers, we... we we look to Jesus to grow in our faith, to be more obedient and more faithful as we, not through, through pulling up our bootstraps kind of, but through looking to Jesus 
as we see and savor Him, and He changes us more from one degree of glory to another. And for those of you who have not yet trusted in Jesus, trust in Him, and you can receive grace and peace, and you can know this one who came to save us. listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.